0: Welcome to How to Live podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Hello, this is Dr. Chip Dodd, and uh, good morning. It's morning for me still. So I'm not sure what time you're listening to this. I hope you are, and I hope that uh, this material is able to um, bring some benefit, practical use, and uh, longevity in terms of perseverance, especially during this time in which there's so much that's uncertain. Uh, Today, I want to talk about how we're created in a way that we're never going to be able to escape, nor do we need to. In fact, it's the That creation is the pathway to fulfillment. And I also want to talk about some practical things we can do to deal with life on life's terms. And at this point, life on life's terms is especially tragic. And not just COVID, but the tragedies that are still going on, that go on every day. From um, from what I understand, that there are 100,000 deaths a year directly connected to alcoholism, so... I mean, life is happening in ways. A tornado just went through Easter Sunday uh, in uh, uh, Chattanooga and North Carolina and some other states. Uh, Reminding me of the tornado that went through um, our county, our town, uh, this Easter Sunday in 2008, actually 2009. So today I want to talk about first, these are some things that we can do that are extremely practical. And you can extend this little bitty list into multiple areas. But this is a time when it's important to, this is going to sound very simple, but put your keys where uh, they belong. Every day you come in the house, put your wallet in a specific place and let that be the place where it goes. Uh, Make up your bed every day. Take time out to make sure you brush your teeth, uh, stretch some, uh, maybe do some exercise. But main thing is this is a time to just do some simple ordering of our lives. In some ways, the more things outside our realm of influence are far outside any kind of impact we might have, and I didn't say outside of our control because most of the time we just don't have control over much of life. We do have some choice making and predictability and some empowerment, in some parts of our lives for sure. But uh, put things where they go. And so they'll be there when you return. And that creates a certain sense of security and connection that the world is is safe, at least in your sphere. And at the same time, uh, for predictability's sake, as much as possible, do what you say you're going to do in the time you say you're going to do it For yourself and others, predictability and order are two very important things in our lives right now. Just this is just sort of a it's so basic. In some ways, I I hate to say it, but um, and this came from actually today. I can't find my keys. (laughs) And so on some days it would not be that big a deal. But somehow today it is a, a much bigger deal with the world spinning like it is. Uh, and in terms of uh, lack of certainty. So anyway, I hope I find my keys pretty soon. Um, I also want to talk about how we're created in a way that we're never going to be able to escape. So the better we are at accepting how we're created, uh, the better we are going to be able to, to do what we're made to do so we can have what we're made to have and live what we're made to live like. When an infant is born... There is a procedure that the medical professionals perform called the APGAR, A-P-G-R, excuse me, A-P-G-A-R. In fact, there's an incredible video called Still Face. It's two minutes and 42 seconds long that I would love for you to look up after this is over or now. And it's a great example of the power of, of how we're created and the needs with which we're created and what we're made to do with them that this beautiful child is doing. But when a, when a baby is born, a, the, the doctors do a, a, the, an APGAR check. And APGAR has 13 characteristics, but three primary characteristics that they're looking for are, one, will the child cry out? Will the child speak that which they don't know they're saying, but they have this, quote, knowledge, unquote, to be able to do it? Will the child cry out their fear? I'm no longer where I was. I'm Not that I wanted to stay there because here I am. And I don't know where I'm headed, but I know where I need to go. So that child is crying out in fear and need for connection, loneliness crying out with desire for life, longings, craving for connection. And that cry out is an expression of that need. The second thing they check for is will the child reach out, called reflex response. And you've seen maybe videos or, 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 or pictures somewhere that a child will, will touch, say, a piece of metal or a cloth or, uh, say, something else around in the delivery area And still continue to have that disruption going on, looking for what they need. And that's where the feelings are soothed when they're they're touched. And so when the child kind of sort of grasps the finger, for example, and their little bitty fingers wrap around, say, the index finger of a caregiver, then something happens for that child in that connection. It calms that which is in need. Reflex response. So will the child cry out? Will the child reach out? And then will the child take in? Will the child openly crave, openly hunger and and receive everything they can possibly have to create the fulfillment that they're made to experience so that they can grow, develop into people who can offer the same things they're receiving? It's, It's the great open door of the development of empathy if we never lose our own capacity to recognize how we're born. So what's amazing about this, and you'll see it in the video, that, that the way we're created never ends. We are made to cry out when, in terms of needs, cry out in terms of longings, hope, desire, uh, uh, needs, cry out in pain when we're hurt, cry out in reaching for relationship and our loneliness. With Sometimes we need to go reach with ourselves, towards ourselves, and go sit in solitude and have conversation with ourselves until it turns into conversations about the universe and then conversations with the God who created that universe. Solitude leads to conversation. So we, we're, we cry out for time with ourselves, time with others, and sometimes it's some others one time and a, a more specific others at another time. And we cry out for relationship with God. And the most fulfilling relationships are the relationships that meet us where we are with that other person, even God, recognition of them being able to get, quote, get where we are, unquote, that they're able to experience through their own experiences of life, similar uh, relationship with where we are so that we know that we can be connected. So the APGAR is the the cry out for uh, relationship connection. And what's astounding is when when an infant, a baby, bonds with the mother, it literally is like this, this. it's a lamp that's ready to be plugged in. The mother is the outlet, the child is the lamp. And when the child is plugged in, literally breathing rate uh, becomes regulated, skin tone, heart uh, rhythms, the little pinpricks of light of the, of the brain turning on in terms of, of what it's made to receive, to grow. All of those things start to happen through that that touch connection process. It's amazing. So, And then the third thing is, I mentioned earlier, will the child take in? So will the child cry out? Will the child reach out? Which means to take risk. And you know, basic faith really does mean risk plus hope with an outcome that delivers something beneficial to me. Baby basic faith. We have faith in our ability to be received if we take the risk of showing what we need. So, Cry out, reach out, take in. Taking in is the craving for life, that we are created to crave. Uh, and I won't get into it too deeply on, on this podcast, but I, I, I want us to know that we are created to want what we want when we want it. We are created for connection and relationship. And when we don't receive what we're looking for pretty quickly, we become dysregulated dysregulated doesn't mean a bad thing it means that we're in pain but pain is not necessarily a bad thing because pain is are related to relationship or feelings and all those feelings are tools we've been given that take us to gifts we can receive i really recommend that you you get the voice of the heart to take a look at how feelings are actually tools that allow us to live fully in a universe that will push us into dysregulation over and over and over again so anyway We're created to want what we want when we want it. But to be able to crave well, we also need to be able to tolerate the experience of life on life's terms. No one can crave well unless they're capable of tolerating four expressions. No, not yet, maybe, and yes. No means that it's not going to happen, so we're going to be in grief. Not yet means the capacity to have patience in the process. Maybe is a waiting with expectancy for the possibility of over which we're powerless. But we do have the capacity to continue to hope. And then finally, yes. Now, yes, it seems paradoxical in a sense because, of course, the craving is looking for yes. But yes is also you really mean it. I mean, do I dare take as am I being fooled? Because through the world's experiences of rejection and pain, we often distrust receiving the very thing that we can have. We're very suspicious of love. We're very suspicious of gifts. I mean, think about the last time somebody gave you a gift when it wasn't on an expected day. And even on an expected day, we can be suspicious or we'll go into shame because our gift that we gave to somebody on Christmas wasn't as good as the gift we got. And we're going, oh, no. But when somebody gives you an unexpected gift, something inside you wonders what I owe, what it's going to cost me, what's my debt going to be. Instead of, oh, that's so wonderful and beautiful, I'll find a way to pass this forward. So anyway, so you can't crave well unless you can tolerate the the waiting process, the no process, or even the yes process. So a lot of times, though, because, because we're suspicious of craving and craving leads to us having to grow up and mature, what happens is we become ashamed of our craving. And in fact, a lot of people will even call craving sin. Wanting what you want when you want it is a a sin. Now, how to, in fact, how to check if actually this craving is moving towards sin is Philippians 4.8. You can always assess your cravings through Philippians 4.8. Is is what I'm looking, is what I'm concentrating on or desiring. Is it good? Is it just? Is it noble? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it excellent, praiseworthy, or admirable? We can sort of pour our cravings through the cheesecloth of uh, that scripture and kind of assess if our craving is a genuine craving or is it an impaired expression of craving. Impaired expression of craving is lust. And lust will will always lead us to damage ourselves and others. Lust is craving that is impaired. It's craving without having to be dependent. It's attempting to get my needs met without having to express My genuine need. It's a way to escape how we're created. Lust is an attempt to escape how we're created by avoiding the cry out, avoiding the reach out, and avoiding the taking in the genuine connection that we've received through our vulnerability. So the genuine connection we've received through our vulnerability. So I just wanted to say that we're created for craving. God has created us as creating, craving, Reaching, hungering, thirsting, desiring, yearning, longing, hoping creatures. Uh, created to do one thing and it's live fully. And the only way that we come close to the ultimate fulfillment while we're living here is through connection to relationship, with the relationship with myself, others, and God. And then creating out of that care, compassion, that we've received and the care we hunger to give. So the Apgar is something that's with us from the beginning, and it's a proof point to show how we're made. And the thing is, we never leave behind how we are created. So we need to develop a mindset that acknowledges what's happening below our forehead, so to speak. So we need to be able to use our minds to speak and articulate what's happening in our hearts. We have to be willing to admit powerlessness over how we're created and use our brains to articulate what's going on inside of us instead of using our brains to hide what's happening inside of us. We need to use our brains to cry out, speaking the heart, instead of using our brains to hide out. And I know that through the pains and wounds and eviscerations that Every single person has experienced in life though there are many who deny that they've they've had woundings. Our brains are actually created to speak uh, this this powerlessness for connection. And I know the world teaches invulnerability, but we were created to to be strong in our capacity for vulnerability, which means to tolerate pain and still it, remain in pursuit of how we're made to live. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening. We now return to the rest of the podcast. So the Apgar is an expression of how we're created and we're made to grow up in that creativity in how we're created to to live in relationship. And an amazing thing is there's this scripture uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, well, one other place he says, you do not receive because you do not ask. The world will teach us invulnerability. In fact, we become even intolerant towards vulnerability. And that's one of the simplest definitions of addiction that I know. Addiction is an intolerance for vulnerability, an intolerance to risk being wounded by reaching towards that which I'm made to have. So we become manipulative instead of uh, genuine. And so what's amazing is Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, ask, seek and knock. And what's amazing is ask, cry out, seek, reach out, knock, knock. Uh, with expectancy that you will receive that which is behind the door, take in. And so ask, he says, and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. All three of those expressions are, are what we tend to become ashamed of experiencing or acknowledging. So we have to walk through our shame in many ways or walk through the world's uh, label that we've adapted to put on ourselves, break away from what the world has told us, and go ahead and accept what creation has given us. We have to return to how we are created. We have to, in many ways, uh, be reborn. And um, not just in terms of the beauty of being born again in terms of spiritually, but really we have to, to dedicate ourselves to be reborn every day spending time, I believe especially in the mornings, uh, with yourself and God uh, reawakening what you were created to be like inside of you and asking for the courage, <clears throat> serenity and wisdom to go live that. So I just think it's so beautiful that uh, the scriptures and speak to actually how we're created and how we're made, uh, who we're made to be, whose we're made to be relationally, and then what we're made to do. So ask, seek, knock, deep, deep wisdom is speaking to what science has shown us, even through the basics of the Apgar, that which we're never made to leave behind and hide. We're not made to grow out of it. We're made to grow up in our capacity to live that well. So really, our, our, our greatest giving comes from our greatest receiving. The more we have, the more we can give, and we cannot give what we do not have. So today I want to pass along my hope for me and my hope for you and my hope for us that we will continue to be humble enough to ask, uh, seek, and knock, that we will not reject uh, how we're created and, and therefore not reject the God who created us. There is a a beautiful uh, scripture also, uh, 1 Peter 5, says something so beautiful. Uh, Peter says that the the, uh, exalted will be humbled. And I say if they're fortunate and the humbled, the humble will be exalted. And it's an amazing thing. And then he goes on to say, cast all of your anxieties upon him, God, because he cares for you cares in terms of what he's made, cares in terms of who he made you to be. And that translates easily into whatever bothers you bothers God. So there's always a place to go to. You always have a home, the lights are on, the table's set, and the door's unlocked. But we have to humble ourselves to experience that level of exaltation. We have to take the great risk of hoping, in spite of what life has taught us, to go ahead and admit powerlessness over how we're created to hope and hope again, but maybe do so in a way where we go with our hope towards the people who are able to humble themselves to be like us. But anyway, the scripture goes on to say anything that bothers uh, us bothers God. So we always have a place to go and we don't have to be ashamed of of our, our upsets, our dysregulation. It actually is indicating there's a voice within us that's made to cry out, reach out and take in. That scripture goes on to say, Peter warns, and you remember, Peter, Peter, was, Peter was like us. He was a, a marvelously clumsy mess. He was a work in progress. He was a betrayer. He had his own agenda. He was sometimes bully and sometimes coward. He's one of us. He's us. He goes on to say in this wisdom that's come from him being exalted through, through being humbled, through being humble, he says, but beware. For those of you who won't be truthful about what's happening inside of you and uh, cry out, reach out and take in, beware, he says, because the deceiver, deceit itself prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Indiscriminate. Just anybody will do. And what's amazing is, and I did some research and it turns out that lions hunt for stragglers. Lions hunt for those who are isolated from how they're made, they've, they're in denial and dissociated. They, they they use their brains to hide their hearts instead of using their brains to, to express their hearts. And lions hunt for stragglers isolated from the herd, those who have become separated, those who sort of know, know better, those who believe that, that the place they're made to be is the place they don't want to go and they're not wanted there. And so what's amazing is that the, 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 the lion hunts for stragglers and will not attack the herd, will not attack the collective body, will not attack those people who are in communion with each other, which means known from the inside out. And think about this. In spite of our shame, we're called to be anxious. And in our anxiety, we're called to not control. We're called to go back towards the heart. And face that the anxiety is actually about fear, the fear that we will be left alone, the fear that the foundation won't hold. It's the fear that we will not be cared about and, and not be seen and not have an identity. And it's the fear that we will we will die and that that uh, this fear actually allows us to cry out for for help, um, cry out for the foundation. God just says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. I am the rock. I, I, I cannot be moved. I am the same I, wa, I I am the same that I was. I am the same that I am, and I am the same that I will be. So foundation, identity in Christ, amazingly. And that um we are never alone. So we're we're not isolated. We uh, are not separate from the herd, but tragically we can separate ourselves from the herd. And then ultimately even uh, we don't have, I do not want to die. I do want to stay with everyone I love, but we don't have to fear death. And I mean, from the standpoint that my father passed away 10 years ago and I miss him still, but I have this recognition within me that I will see him again. So his passing And the unfinished business that went with his death uh, doesn't mean the end of things. It just means waiting until we can reunite and continue our conversation. So as I close today, I want uh, to support those who uh, are listening to ask, seek, knock. Go ahead and, and face that we're made to cry out, reach out and take in that which sustains us And the more we have, the more we can give. So the needier we are of others in God, the more we're going to be able to offer others because we were replenished. We are having to live a marathon that we've been running forever anyway. And the, the marathon right now is how the world has changed through COVID. But remember, the marathon, it has to be run the same way a sprint is and the same way we eat a steak. Uh, you eat a steak one bite at a time. And before you've known it, you've eaten, before you know it, you've eaten the whole steak. Before you know it, you've eaten a cow or a herd of cattle, believe it or not. So, uh, it's one day at a time. That day is, is unto itself. We need to use that day to replenish, uh, 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 experience restoration, resurrection, um, recreation. And, uh, that goes back to the beginning of this podcast. Uh, create order as much as you can. Let your, let predictability by being responsible to others and for yourself be very powerful during this time. And then be good at being how you're created and let yourself mature in that from the standpoint of your tolerance for no, not yet, maybe, and yes, be willing to receive love and be willing to wait for love and be willing to to know that even when, when we receive no, it doesn't mean it's forever. It means there's a yes somewhere else. So God bless you. And, um, thank you for listening. I look forward to talking with you again. And like I say, these are how to live podcast uncut, which means that there are those sections technologically that are not as expert as maybe they will be someday. And, um, They're not um, edited as well as they could be. So anyway, bless you. And I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you. Bye-bye.